Logocentrifugal Podcast. I'm Chance Lunsford. I'm also Logocentrifugal. Maybe you're also Logocentrifugal. While you're trying to figure out how to even pronounce that, let me introduce today's special guest I have with me, the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Bolin. Now, this is a man who I ran into on Twitter, and I, I think the reason that I did is because of his association with another Mike, Mr. Mike Cernovich. And one thing I noticed is he, he sort of jumped into the Twitter sphere and he had, he had that connection, which is, a, is an impactful one, but I've watched a couple of your Mindset Squared podcasts. Sure. Um, and both from there and from the Twitter aspect, what I really like is that you're just there to offer value. You know, it's not, you're not a nonsense kind of guy. You're just, look, here's some stuff that's valuable that I feel like you could benefit from and I want to give it to you. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, you have some conversation back and forth with Mike on your podcast and, and you've, you've had some conversations with people on the Twitter and everything, but that seems to be your main emphasis is I'm Mike Bullen. I'm here to offer you value and you can take it or leave it. And I really like that. Um, and that's, that's a large part of the reason I wanted to ask you on here. Um, and the other part is that I'm actually right now training to get my real estate certification. And I kind of wanted to pick your brain about that a little bit, but uh, oh, sure. with that very, well, it's one of, of my favorite topics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you just jump in and, and yeah. Tell so my, my name is Mike Bolin. Um, I've been doing uh, real estate in real, you know, in all forms and fashion from brokerage to development, um, Airbnb, uh, long-term rentals, fix and flip. I mean, I, I've done almost everything, uh, brokerage, realtor, all of it. And uh, most aspects of real estate and real estate investment I've been, been involved with in one form or fashion. Um, I've been at it a little over 20 years, um, become a multimillionaire in the process. And, um, you know, I've completed over 600 uh, deals in uh, my career. Okay. And... You've, you mentioned there that you've sort of done it all in that realm. And I wonder uh, why, when, when very many people might stick to one lane or one niche, have you sort of run the gamut across that field? And, and how do you think that's sort of affected the way that you look at the real estate situation in general? Well, I'm, I've always been a believer that when you're starting out, you need to find a single niche and really dominate that niche. Okay. And so real estate has so many, you know, little sub markets within the real estate sector. You know, when somebody comes up to me and says, Hey, I want to get into real estate. Well, you know, that, that could mean anything, right? I mean, there's so many pieces. I mean, what, what do you want to, do you want to lease industrial space? Do you want to, you know, uh, work for McDonald's and find site locations for them? Do you want to, you know, sell condos in Miami? I mean, there's just, you know, there's so much. And, you really have to find a single niche and, and where most people I think go off the rails or they're not successful is they get going in two or three or even four directions and, you know, become the, uh, you know, the cliche jack of all trades, master of none, right? And so for me, I picked a single niche at a time and I would really, you know, lean into that hard. And that would be what I would do for two or three or four years and really learn that craft. And then as I mastered that, then I would add on additional skill sets. So that's what happens is you become a master in one 
portion of the field. And this holds true for, you know, whether you're learning karate or, you know, whether you're doing something totally different. I mean, just because you're a great freestyle swimmer doesn't mean that you can't do butterfly and, you know, do these other things. And so, but typically, you know, you become a master in one and then, you know, to become an even more fluent or, uh, you know, I guess accomplished master, you have to, you know, tackle some of these other subsets. So that's what's happened to me over the years is, you know, I get into one thing and then that one thing would make sense to take on like a second, you know, subset of the business, et cetera. So I would just add those on as I felt it was appropriate for me to do and a profitable for me to do. Okay. That, that kind of leads into a, a realm of, of thought that I, I spend a lot of time thinking about, which is you talked a lot about mastery right there. And for me, it's something that I really enjoy getting good at something, whatever it is sure. I'm going to get good at. I want to get very good at it. I want to do my best to be the best at it. Um, and it sounds like you were much the same way, but it also sounds like you've kind of got uh, like an adventurous spirit or maybe a, the novelty factor is appealing as well. And I know you said you wanted to make sure that you could be profitable and it made sense, but it also sounds like you're always looking for that thing that's, okay, I've, I've got this and I don't want to just stagnate in this space now that I feel like I've mastered it. I want to be able to pursue mastery moving forward sort of in a paradigmatic fashion. Is that is that about right? That's exactly right. I mean, you, you again, I you in order to be a master, you know, I think in anything, you have to be able to devote yourself to the craft, whatever it is. You know, lock, stock, and barrel, morning, noon, and night, okay, seven days a week for many years. And, you know, for me, it's always been, it seems like anywhere from about three to four years, I start to become a master in a certain piece. Okay. And then, yes, there's probably an element of boredom and there's probably an element of, you know, just wanting to grow, you know, having that, uh, well, you know, I want to see what else is out there kind of thing. And so that leads you into these, these other pieces of your field. But it's really important that as, you know, you're learning um, that you are completely focused in the beginning on a single aspect. And again, that, that's where I think most guys that get into the business, they, they go wrong is they splinter their interest into three or four different areas. And that's probably true in, 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 any, in any craft, but certainly in real estate, you're not going to be able to be a broker and, you know, be a, you know, a great uh, landlord and, you know, be doing wholesaling or whatever, you know, you can add whatever you want to it. You can't do all of those things at one time when you're starting out. Now, you can master a craft and then you slowly add components to that to increase your profitability as you scale up and you have the ability to afford help and, you know, uh, assistance and things like that. Okay. Um, so, another, another area of curiosity sort of tangential to this is you have established yourself as a successful person in your industry and, and even use the word mastery and feel comfortable using it. It's believable sure. when you say it. Um, and so I guess I'm curious, what, what is the impetus behind you deciding to enter into the weird world of social media as, you know, as Mike Bolin, real estate multimillionaire? I, I'm just kind of curious why, uh, you know, because it's, I got into social media for the first time just like two years ago or something, and I'm 34, and that was weird to a lot of people, and, and you have maybe a year or two on me. And so <laughs> I just, I'm wondering why, why now and why take that jump into social media? Well, you know, I, 
again, I, I've been at this a long time. It's not like I just started doing, you know, my, my career, you know, a few years ago or I'm kind of midstream. You know, I'd like to think of myself more as like a elder statesman in, um, you know, the real estate business where I'm further along in my career. You know, I have, um, you know, income that comes in whether I work or not. And, you know, and so I have a lot of savings and the, these kind of things, you know. So my, I, I have the freedom to be able to, you know, point my interests or my, my mind at things that maybe not are directly related to real estate any longer. And so, you know, this is just part of that growth is I've, you know, I became friends with, uh, you know, some folks that are real big in the social media world and uh, just by happenstance really. And, you know, it hasn't been a, a huge focus uh, for me. I haven't really leaned into social media yet, but I do enjoy it. Um, you know, I spend more time on Twitter, or Instagram, or Facebook um, than I used to. And that's because, you know, I used to work 70, 80 hours a week and I, I don't do that any longer. So I filled some of that time with, uh, you know, more of a creative outlet, which is a little bit of, of writing. And, uh, you know, and that goes hand in hand with, uh, you know, trying to be creative on social media and, and find my voice. I don't think I've completely found my voice yet, but, um, but I certainly have some traction in, um, you know, in the social media marketplace. That's, to be honest, I, I find myself, I mean, I know what my inner voice is, but I also know that the people on social media, they've grown accustomed to certain facets of my personality and then they ask for more. And then I have to balance the, the inclination to do that versus the inclination to, to sort of rebel at that demand of me. Uh, <laughs> well, I think um, any artist, you know, uh, struggles with that, right? I mean, if you're Paul McCartney and uh, do you ever get tired of, uh, you know, singing the song, I want to hold your hand? Uh, well, maybe, I don't know, but that's what the audience wants to hear. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I think any creative or any artist struggles with that is, you know, you have uh, a certain set audience that wants to hear a certain side and sometimes you want to do your, other other stuff or your new stuff and um you have to blend that in boo give us the hits <laughs> <laughs> right. so you mentioned you have this uh you have this view of yourself as an elder statesman and and along with that um typically is you are being a shepherd or you're guiding p people who are midstream or just starting out in their career towards a more successful path and um I know that you had mentioned that you have uh, something in the works along those lines. And I wonder if maybe this is a good time for you to jump in and, and bring that up. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that I think anybody that gets involved in the social media world, you know, as soon as you start to get uh, a, a uh, even a small following, right? And especially if you have a, a niche following, um, where, you know, it's, it's on a specific industry like me, um, which happens to be real estate, um, that is money driven, right? And so you start having people contact you, direct message you, email you, even call you. Uh, hey, can I pick your brain? Hey, can I take you to lunch? Hey, can, you know, we link up? Can, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I did for a while last year, I, I would entertain, you know, allowing people to take me to lunch, et cetera. And what I found is that, you know, 
out of four people, I, I go to four lunches in one week and two of the people were just dull and I wasn't really interested in being there and they, they hadn't really done any homework and, you know, it, it was just, it was an odd thing. And then one of the, one of the four would just be a complete weirdo, you know, <laughs> ask me out to lunch and then ask me 400 <laughs> questions and then, you know, once, and then it, it doesn't pick up the check you know? And, <laughs> yeah. And then you have, you know, the, the, you know, maybe one out of those four people that that's interesting and you enjoy spending some time with, and, you know, uh, they've done some homework and they ask leverage questions, you know, not just ridiculous stuff that anybody can Google. And so the problem is, is that in order to get to that one person, you have to go through, you know, three bad ones. Right. And so are three, maybe not as enjoyable people. So, I do think it's really important that if you're in a position where I am, where you're further along in your career and you do have some advice that you can offer and some guidance that you can offer, um, there is a element of, you know, self-serving to this. And that is that I wanted to, I want to have that um, network around me, right? And some of these people are going to become very successful at their craft. And so I'd rather have them in my network and my, you know, sphere of influence than somebody else's. So that's why myself and my uh, business partner, Chris, uh, we decided to get involved with creating a course, which I've never done before. I don't know anything about selling courses or you know, marketing online or any of that stuff. I mean, again, I've had my head down, you know, doing, you know, real estate deals for, you know, 25 plus years. And so I realized over the past year that you really need to separate folks from those who are serious and those who aren't serious. And so a way to do that is to create a, a course, which yeah, I'm in the process of doing, I hired guys that, you know, know how to do that. I've hired marketing guys who know how to sell that stuff. You know, I don't want to become like a Facebook marketing guru and I don't want to, you know, learn how those ads work and, you know, how you, I don't even know how to put a course online, right? But these guys know how to do it. I have the content. I know what to say and I know how to teach people that stuff. But I, I you know, so I hired all that out and then that way, I can have people that are genuinely interested in, in learning from me. They can pay some money so they have some skin in the game and they can become successful. And then they're in my, you know, sphere of influence and in my, my network. You know, I'm not going out to sell like a $47, you know, ebook or something. That's not what I'm doing. I'm selling like a very high dollar, you know, mentorship education thing. And, um, so anyway, I'm in the process of that. I don't know, you know, um, when that will be totally launched yet. We're probably a few weeks out, but you know, uh, people can always go to my website, which is mikebolin.com and it'll have a link to it. But so that's, yeah. So that's a project that I'm working on right here in, in 2020 is bringing a mentorship slash, you know, uh, coaching program, uh, to the world. And you know, the self-serving part of that is it helps me build my personal network. And some of those folks will go on to be, you know, multimillionaires. And it's a lot more fun when you can, you know, fly off to Europe for a weekend, um, you know, and your friends can afford to do that too. There's, there's a couple of things I really am keyed into there that you were talking about. And the first one is, uh, I learned this from a guy named Kirk Duncan, who's like a 
He's like a motivational speaker here locally in Utah. And he would get a lot of gripes because he has entry level stuff. He has a free thing and entry level stuff and he has higher level courses. And at the entry level stuff, you know, he would pitch you on it. Sure. And he would get grumbling people. Oh, you already paid. And he said, look, this is, this course is for you to come and learn the basics of all this stuff. And then these are all the different avenues that I can teach you more. And the price is a filter. I price it according to the vibe I get from you right now, you audience. That's why I have a certain price. And then I decide what the price is actually going to be for you right now. And it changes. And that's because some of you have good attitudes. Some of you don't. And depending on the vibe I get from the room, I, I set that course, but it's a filter because I don't want these people here. I only want these people here. And so I set that price according to how I think I'm going to get quality people. And that's something I've kept in mind a lot throughout my own life is price. The pricing mechanism is a filter. Do you want, you want low quality people? I mean, do you want to offer a bunch of free stuff and then try to snag them on $10? Do you want to say, Hey, look, man, this is 3000 bucks. Take it or leave it. I'm good. I'm here to teach you the stuff right. that'll make it worth it to you or not. It's up to you. Yeah, I think that's very insightful because it, it is, it, it's a delineating factor between those that are serious and those that aren't, you know, just say a $3,000 price point. Um, you know, anybody really in America that's got their wits about them can come up with $3,000 one way or another, right? I, you borrow it from mom, uh, you borrow it from a buddy, you put it on a credit card. I don't know, right? But how committed are you? You know, and is the guy who pays 37 bucks for, you know, the, the 12 page ebook. I mean, is he committed? No. I mean, listen, I, you know what, some of these guys on Twitter now, you know, in this, you know, again, I'm a little bit older. I got a few extra bucks. Right. But, you know, I go on to Twitter and if I like, like a guy on Twitter, like there's this one guy, Jose Rosado. Okay. And I follow him on Twitter. Okay. And he does this thing and it's like, I, I forget what it's called, but some kind of like Twitter mastery or some crap like that. Okay. I think it was $38.95 for the, the, his ebook or his e system or whatever it was. I just went and bought it. I've never even opened up the PDF. I'd say, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm like, Hey, I like this guy. I'll just buy his crap because it's almost like, you know, whatever. And I'm not saying it's his thing's crap. I'm sure it's fantastic, but I've never read it. You know what I mean? And so, my commitment level in buying that is almost nothing, right? It was like giving him a tip for, you know, being interesting on Twitter kind of thing. And so, you know, and I'll do that for guys. I'll buy their shirts or I'll buy their, their ebook or, you know, whatever it is. And I feel like, you know, in some ways it's just, you know, kind of giving them a tribute for being interesting folks, you know? And, um, but am I fully committed to their whole ecosystem? No. But, you know, if I were to pay, you know, even me, if I were to pay, you know, 3000 or 5000 or $7,000 for a coaching program, I would probably be a lot more committed to that than, you know, some spending 38 bucks on a PDF. Yeah. Shout out to Jose. He's my homie, by the way. I'm telling. Oh, really? Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he's an interesting cat. You know, he's like one of those people that, you know, I don't even know if I've got mutual friends with him or not. I mean, but, you know, he's just one of those guys you stumble across on Twitter. He's got an interesting, you know, um, flow and cadence about how he delivers his content and stuff. Again, I don't have any interest in becoming a copywriter or an internet marketer or that stuff. But I do find it interesting to look at the economics behind it. You know what I mean? And so it's interesting to follow guys like that. I probably follow for a totally different reason than most of his followers, right? I mean, he does want to sell them the stuff and there's nothing wrong with that, right? And I think that's great. 
I'm following him just because I think it's interesting. I like to see how he evolves, how he does it, you know, things like that. To me, it's just a fascinating, you know, uh, way of entertainment, I guess, is I've always been fascinated by economics and how business works and how things work behind the scenes. And so, you know, eventually I'll probably crack open his PDF and maybe that'll give me some more insight on it. But yeah, he's a very interesting guy. And, I, you know, I find people like that all the time on Twitter and I'll buy their stuff. And, you know, most of the stuff I've literally never even opened. You know, I've got T-shirts from people I bought that I haven't even opened up the package yet. So, you know, but I, I again, it's like you're supporting their brand. And I like that. And I like to support, you know, creatives and artists that, uh, you know, that I find interesting. Funny, funny little side note. This shirt right here, this is the only copy of this shirt that was ever sold. And this is Jose's shirt right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, it is. <laughs> How great is that? Uh, well, he'll have to watch Pretty this episode wild. then. That's, yeah, that's fantastic. Him. You'll have to tag him in the uh, show notes or something so he knows about it. I will. Yeah, that's so, wonderful. Th there's one more piece of, of um, what you got into before that I really wanted to pull out because I identify strongly with that. And that was, you'd rather have a successful person in your network or in your sphere of influence than in somebody else's. And the whole value proposition for me for, for Twitter is the behind the scenes network. Like the, the timeline's cool and everything, but that's just sort of like the flyer. And then the gig is what you actually do with the people you make a connection with. Right. It starts in the DMs maybe, and then it moves into the real world or it moves into more intimate connection via, you know, something like this or email exchange or whatever. But I have found that it's, it's probably 1% of the people you connect with and not even just the followers, but the people you actually exchange with that you take behind the scenes and you say, hey, man, I really like what you're doing and I'd like to help you do that or I'd like your help with something or I'd like to build something together. And sure. I guess I just wonder, um, obviously, real estate's an area where network equals net worth. You, ha you, have to, you have to have that network. You have to have those relationships. And if you sour those relationships, it's going to affect your bottom line big time. And I guess I just wonder, moving into this social sphere, you kind of had a big boost because you already you already had some friends who were, you know, sort of well connected in the social media world, and you've been able to do things with Mike, and you've been able to go do things with the Tates and stuff like that. And I sure. guess I just wonder how you see this um, social media network or networking developing, and what you hope to use it for. Well, I you know now I'm kind of. I think last year I was kind of doing, 2019, I was doing a lot of exploring, right? I, I had pulled the reins back a little bit on being focused so much on business and was the first time that I, I kind of took a year and went in a more of a creative, exploratory um, realm than just being solely focused on the next real estate deal. So that was a really nice diversion. Um, and I think that, yeah, I, I think that now at the very, you know, here we are right at the very beginning of 2020. And I have found that where I want to go is kind of blend those two together, which is, you know, I want to be out there creating an ecosystem of really successful real estate guys within the social media sphere uh, that, you know, want to come along for the ride and learn some of the processes that I've learned over the years and, you know, help some folks make a lot of money and in turn have a, a network of people around me uh, that are successful, of course, um, but have some of the same interests. You know, I really enjoy real estate. I enjoy talking about it in all the different forms and facets. And so it's nice to be surrounded by some of those folks too. And so I'm wanting to build a tribe, if you will, 
of, um, you know, people, folks that are interested in real estate and willing to put a few bucks down to, uh, you know, help build that tribe. So, so one of the key themes I was picking up on there is the idea of curation, because it sounds like you want to, you know, you're the elder statesman. You want to, you, it sounds like a lot of this is even service because you're, you're where you need to be financially. And, and you even took a step back and said, I'm, I want to try other things. And then you found this. Um, but you know, you, especially in the social media world, or I guess in life in general, you have to be very careful about who you choose to associate yourself with. It's going to affect your mentality. It's going to affect your reputation right. and all that. Um, and so I guess how, how strong a component is that idea of curation? And, and maybe you could talk a little bit about your thoughts surrounding that idea. Well, you know, this comes back to the finances, right? I mean, it's what we were saying before. It, there really is a difference between the guy that's willing to put down 38 bucks for an e-core or an e-book versus the guy that's willing to pay thousands of dollars for a real mentorship kind of program. Okay. And that's the difference. Okay. So I want folks around me that are willing to have some skin in the game, you know, and put some money into, you know, put some money behind themselves and, you know, are willing to do the work. And I think that, you know, of course, you know, if you go out and, and you're a guy selling a, you know, thousands of dollar course, you know, is everybody that that purchases that going to do it? Of course not. But you're going to have the the likelihood of people taking action with that is greater if they've got a larger investment. And so that's where I'm at with it is I want to have that, but I do want to curate that that group so that these folks are, you know, have have some vested interest in, you know, their own success. I'm not interested in a, you know, a $37 course and a $50 a month, you know, uh, you know, private Facebook group. That's not what I'm looking for. You know, what I'm looking for is, you know, a, a group, a tribe, if you will, of people that, you know, are willing to invest in themselves and willing to put forth the effort and, uh, and be interesting, et cetera. And I think that, you know, if you have a higher priced item, it does bring in a different quality of people. Okay. So, so if I'm hearing you right, then it sounds like uh, number one, you want people willing to commit uh, and who have the resources to actually commit. You're not trying to sort of scrape a diamond out of the gutter or anything like that. You're saying, well, I would you need say, to already you know, kind of live a life. Not everyone has the resources to commit, but listen, if you don't have the mental aptitude to be able to figure out how to get $5,000 or $7,000 or $10,000, I don't even know what I'm going to sell this for yet. So I, I can't just say, hey, it cost X. But it's not going to be 39 bucks and it's not going to be $1,000. You know, it's going to be more than that. And so if you don't have the, the mental aptitude to be able to figure out how to get five grand, let's say, okay, then I don't want you around me because you're not going to be able to find a, a real estate deal. You're not going to be able to think your way outside of, you know, the, the hurdles and the problems that come up. And so, you know, yeah, I, I think absolutely if you have a higher price ticket item like that and you're doing like real mentorship where you're actually helping people get over the hump and you're talking to them and you're selling them something of real value, which I will be, then yeah, I want them to be able to figure out if even if they don't have the resources to figure out how to get the resource to do it. Now, of course, you're going to have the guy who, you know, has been, you know, same age as me, been working, you know, for 20 something years and wants to shift careers and like, yeah, you know what, I, I want to do kind of some of the stuff that Mike's doing. And, you know, whatever he's charging for that course is, is totally fine. I can, you know, I've got cash flow to pay for that or savings to pay for that. Those kind of guys are, are perfect. But 
can a 21 year old person get in on this? Absolutely. But they got to be able to figure it out. You know, how do you do that? Well, you know, you figure that out. Because if you can't figure that out, you're certainly not going to figure out how to buy, you know, a house at 30% below market. You're not going to be willing to go out and do what it takes to find that seller. Hmm. I like that. Uh, I, I sometimes think about things or often think about things sort of uh, as like a staircase where you have a plateau where you're just getting experience on your certain level. Then you hit that vertical wall and you have the choice right there to say, that's far enough. This is hard where you climb the wall and then you enter that new plateau and then you have that line right there. But if you turn around when you climb that new plateau, you saw everything you could see before, but you got this new view as well. And there are certain problems and certain solutions that are only available to you at the higher levels. And so I, I guess what you're saying is um, you're interested in working with people who can sort of make, make a certain climb and then and then here, like, I'm, I'm here to help you climb up to these other ones, but you got to you got to get here first. Well, yeah, I mean, look, listen, you, you can do this at any age, too. And, you know, I, I think I'm a great example of that over the past year. OK, so if you go back to December of 2018, I think I had. I had a Twitter account, which is at Mike Bolin. OK, and that Twitter account, I, I registered that name back in 2009 or something. And I would tweet from time to time, blah, 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 blah. I think in December of 2018, I'm, I'm going to guess that I had 130, maybe 112 Twitter followers, okay? And I would say that, listen, Facebook and Instagram, you can get followers. Twitter is a totally different animal. It's hard to get like real followers on Twitter. Okay. I mean, I'm not talking about going out and getting like, you know, 3000 bots or something, but to have like, you know, actual engaged real followers on Twitter is pretty difficult because it, there's a multitude of reasons. I'm not going to get into that, but we, those of us that are in social media know that Twitter's a tough animal to tame. Okay. And it's like a cocktail party almost. And for a guy like me, that's older. I'm not, you know, 22 years old, female wearing a bikini showing my ass, right? And so, for a guy like me to be able to build, you know, a respectable following, I, I'm certainly not huge or anything like that, but to be able to build a respectable following um, over a one-year period and connect with some of the people I've connected with, that was the wall, the proverbial wall that you're talking about that I, I hit, right? I was like, well, you know, I kind of want to find out how do these guys get this kind of reach? You know, how do these guys, you know, how does somebody like uh, Mike Cernovich, you know, have 500,000 Twitter followers and, you know, tweet about a steak and have 300 people comment on that and then tweet about Donald Trump and have 500 people comment about that. You know what I mean? And so how is that? Why is that? You know, and you know, how are guys like, you know, you mentioned the Tate brothers. Okay. So these, these are guys that have like a totally different, you know, um, persona online than Mike Cernovich. Okay. And so how do those guys do it? Right. And so I want to learn from the people that are like really at the pinnacle, you know, of whatever it is that they're doing, whatever their craft is. I mean, if I want to learn painting, right. Do you go find the Picasso or, you know, do you go find the guy that, you know, is teaching at the community college, you know, for a $22, you know, painting course. I mean, you know, <laughs> it's just figure it out, you know, and that's the thing, you know, just stop, think, go to a fucking coffee shop, sit down and think about it. Okay. Hey, th is this interesting to you? Okay. Well then how do I get in that door, get over that hurdle, et cetera? Just figure it out. It's really not that hard. 
you know? And so, you know, I, here I am, a guy in my late 40s that's been doing real estate for all these years, which, you know, and not not being big on social media at all. And to be able to just kind of change all of that over one year and interact with, you know, some really big names on social media. And, you know, yeah, I mean, of course, you know, my Twitter following that I have today is because of, you know, people like Mike Cernovich, you know, and people like the Tates and stuff like that, and probably more Mike than anybody, um, naturally. So, yeah, I owe a debt of gratitude to those people. But I also, you know, it wasn't like I just sat at home and thought about it. You know, I went out and I met these people and made an effort to, you know, to meet them and see what value I could bring to those people. And so there's always a way around it or over that hurdle. And, you know, there's so many examples of that over, you know, history, over the course of history, so many examples of people that are in this position and they're able to completely change their, their world or their lifestyle or, you know, everything around them. You can be in a totally, totally different place, you know, three or six months from today um, just by making a few pivots in your life. Yeah, you know, that's sort of the cornerstone of this whole podcast is I saw out there that there were some really interesting people and I thought to myself, how, how can I even connect with these people? I've, you know, I'm just some like obnoxious guy with a, with a good insight or two every, every once in a while. How can I, how can I sort of pick the brains of these people? Because like you, I like to, I like to connect with people and learn what they're doing. And I'm big on systems. Like what is, what is the pattern? If you want to do right. something, what's the pattern of the people who are doing it? Follow the pattern. You can improvise later. Follow the pattern of the master. They're, they're giving you the template. Just do it. Exactly. You know, they already know how to do it. And so I've started this podcast, man, I've had the opportunity to talk to business leaders and thought leaders and presidential candidates and intelligence officers and all the, all the things I'm interested in. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I mean, yeah. And I never would have had the opportunity, right? You figure it out. You're like, Hey, this is something I I, I want to interact with some of these people. And I want to kind of learn from some of these people. How do I do that? Okay. Well, I guess I could do a podcast. And so, you know, you go out and you do it and you figure it out. I mean, you know, it's like the, going to the gym, right? What you do at the gym is simple. Everything there is simple. You just pick up the shit, you lift it, you put it down, you go to the next one, pick up the shit, lift it. And, but it's hard to actually make yourself do it, you know? And that's, that's what, especially young people, you know, men, women in their 20s. I mean, this is where you can really, really leverage your future is by doing things like what you're talking about, what you're doing right here, right? You're going to be able to sit down and talk to really interesting people, make a connection. They remember who you are. If you see them at an event, you know, that kind of thing. And you figured that out, you know, hey, I'm going to do a podcast, which is today's radio show, right? And so, you know, you're a smart guy. You figured it out. And and I think that, you know, anybody can do that. They just have to apply themselves and figure out, here's the hurdle. Here's the wall, as you mentioned. How do I get over that? Can I go under it, around it, over it? What is it? Everything in life is that way. You just got to figure your way around it. And every time you get around something like that, it's, there's always a prize on the other side, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. And uh, there's always a new responsibility too. Every time you climb that level, it's like, oh, I opened up a door to a whole new level of responsibility too. I, you know, I've, I've accepted this and that's the cost of the prize too. It's not like it's a free lunch. Exactly. You got to show up. You got to show up and make it happen. And, you know, this podcast is an example. I just one day said, I'm going to have a podcast. And then I learned what I needed to do. It took me about a week of research. Uh, and then I I started the podcast and I started with friends and then I said, Hey, you know, I started reaching out to these people and I thought there's no way they're going to come on this podcast, but what's it going to hurt to try? Hey, you want to come on the podcast? Yeah. 
Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, over time it's like, cool, well, I wonder how big we can take this and I wonder who I can learn from. And, and I think f- from my end, that's, that's one of the key takeaways uh, along this thought train is that if you want to do something, you should just start doing it right now. You might not have the legitimacy. You might not have the experience to be a big time player in your game, but that's, of course you wouldn't. But if you start right. and get some experience and a name, then you can start doing something about it. Well, I think it's something that we've talked about several, probably multiple times on in the Mindset Squared podcast is, um, you know, both Mike Cernovich and I are really big believers in live events, okay? Because you don't, you get to take that, that online person and bring them into life, right? And you get to you get to talk with them, and that's really where the magic happens. Is when you know, like you said, you're, you're just a little tip of the iceberg. What you see on your Twitter feed, right? There's all this stuff behind it. And so, I'm a big believer in live events, and I, you know, that's one of those things that anybody anybody can do, right? Almost. I mean, I saw uh, over Christmas, uh, Scott Adams was like down in uh, Houston or Florida, or I don't know, somewhere down there. And he did like a meetup, you know, at like a coffee shop or something. And, you know, if you really wanted to meet the guy, he announced it like 48 hours beforehand. Well, you know, get your ass on a Southwest plane and fly down there, you know, for $215 and meet the guy, you know, and maybe you hit it off. Maybe you don't, but, you know, whatever. And so, you know, take that chance. And uh, so many people you know, want to play it safe or, you know, they don't want to look weird or, you know, that seems weird to fly, you know, four hours to go meet somebody. Well, is it really that weird? I mean, I don't know. I don't don't think so. But, uh, you know, take the chance. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You go there, you meet the guy, you don't click, you have some nice food, see a new city and head home. So what? You're still a winner. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's the weirder thing? Pursuing a dream or having one and never going after it? Right. And, and so many people, you know, want that comfort and they're so scared of what people think or they're so scared of what's going to happen to them. And you just have to get over that stuff. And so, you know, going back to this, this course thing that I'm doing, I never thought in a million years that I would be a online course guy. But after seeing how some of these people do it out there, it is fascinating. You know, you take somebody like the Tate brothers and they have their war room, right? And so, they're not doing that so that they can make, you know, the $1,200 a year or whatever it costs to join the war room. I don't even know what it costs, but you know, it's $2,000 a year. They're not doing it to make the two grand. I mean, they're doing it because a handful of those people become really good friends of theirs and, and are very successful and they get a network with those people. And then their network becomes your network, et cetera. And so, that's, that's my focus with it is, you know, building up my own personal network of successful people. And the delineation line in that is, you know, I want higher end, more committed people that are willing to put some money into it rather than, you know, the $38, you know, ebook thing. Yeah. And, you know, I actually, I've, uh, I've had a couple podcasts with Andrew and, um, <laughs> he's a, if you, if you really try, you can get past that online persona and get to the real heart of the guy. And he's a shrewd dude. You know, it's, he's, well, he's a very smart guy and you know who Andrew is online and and what comes through in his writing versus, you know, what Cobra Tate is like, or Tristan Tate is like when you sit down and have a cigar with those guys, um, you know, is totally different. I mean, I, I went, I met them um, in Atlanta 
And I really hit it off with them. And they were gracious enough to invite me to Romania and stay at their house, you know, for a week. And I went out, I flew out to Romania and did that. And, you know, just wonderful guys, uh, very genuine. And, you know, people are often um, surprisingly more interesting offline. If you think they're interesting online, wait until you meet them offline and you can really spend some time with them. Um, because, yeah, I love those two guys. They're great guys. And the reason, the reason I brought that up is because one of the things he said on the last podcast we did together, I asked him, do you, do you have an opening and then you find a person or do you find a person and then find an opening for them? And he said, no, I find a person I like who I think is interesting and smart and is going to kick ass and is going to work hard and is going to be a G. And then I hire them. And then I find a space for them because I know whatever I give them to do, they're going to be able to do it because right. they're the kind of person that I like. And, and that's the kind of person I like is somebody who's going to do that. And then whatever, I find a person for it. And so this war room thing, um, that's, that's sort of exactly the description that you gave is he's just trying to find some of these people he can actually bring into a circle and have them uh, add to his real success and his real relationships and enjoyment of life rather than, you know, being the big papa bear of a hundred guys or, or, you know, whatever it's going to exactly. be. Exactly. Well, a lot of my ideas for, you know, the course and the way that I'm, I'm putting this together came from what I learned from Tristan and Andrew um, and, and the reason and the reasoning and all those kinds of things about it. Because I, you know, I'm looking at these guys, I'm talking to them and I'm like, you know, Tristan drives a Lambo and an Aston and, you know, Andrew's got the uh, McLaren and they got the big house over there, you know, they, they traveling all over and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, so, you know, why are you bothering selling war room memberships? And, you know, and so, you know, you kind of get into the granular level on that. And yeah, it's to build up your own network has really nothing to do with, you know, uh, trying to make money off selling, you know, some, some information, but rather the information is the vehicle, you know, to connect you with these people. And hopefully they make some money, you make some money and you all become more successful because the sum of, you know, this network is greater than, you know, the value of a single person's network. And, and that's a critical point. And, and I, there's a couple of things I'd like to do at the end of the podcast and we're running out of time. So I think I want to leave that there. Sure. And then get to the sort of closing ceremony. And, and these are very simple things. First, I, I have two questions um, for you, which are, what is one question you think other people should, or what, what is one question you think people should ask of others? And what is one question you think they should ask of themselves? Well, okay. So, you know, if you, if you take this, one thing that somebody should ask of others is, and maybe it's not even as much of an ask, but I think you need to try to figure out where people are coming from, okay? And what is the backstory? You know, we see, we all have these friends like on Facebook, right? That rant and rave all day about being depressed or they rant and rave all day about Donald Trump or they rant and rave all day about something, okay? And you look at the, these people and you're like, I used to get really annoyed by them. And now I look at it and I, feel some level of pity because I'm like, okay, why am I being a jerk? Where, where is this person in their mental state? What, what caused them to have this kind of reaction day in and day out, you know? And so I think that if you take that on a, you know, a more toned down level, we all are dealing with stuff in the background of our lives. And so trying to figure out what that is and where that person's, you know, lens or their filter of the way that they see life, you know, because again, you know, your, your eyeballs are, 
you know, as much, you know, of receptors as they are projectors, right, of, of what's out in front of us. And so it's, it's really important, I think, to understand where other people are coming from and, and their worldview and how that affects what they see. Because you and I can look at, you know, uh, two different things. I mean, we both can look at a McDonald's Big Mac and see two totally different things, right? And so what, what is that filter? And then it, I think you become less judgmental of people when you try to get behind the man, so to speak, and figure out where is that person really coming from? Um, and that piece of psychology, I think, is something that if you can carry that throughout your entire life, it really helps you understand people and what they do and where they're coming from. And, and we, people tend to take offense to things, you know, today. And I think people would take a lot less offense if they would understand that. I like that. And that's, I mean, I've certainly found that to be the case in my own self. And, and I think that should be true of yourself as well. Sometimes our own motivations and, and triggers and things like that are not obvious unless we've taken the time to actually look and, and see right. what's in there. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of introspection, you know, both on yourself and on, on other people. And really, truly, I think you become a lot less offended. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. if, if you really understand where people are coming from. I agree. And I think that's a great place to leave it because we're, we're coming up on the clock and I want to respect your time. So is there any, are there any parting thoughts or pieces of wisdom you want to offer the people before we bail out of here? No, just get out there, do the work, man. You know, do the hustle, do the work, pick one thing. I, I tell people this all the time, especially, you know, people that are changing careers or young people, probably the best advice I can give you is stop the madness with going in 12 different directions financially. Pick one thing and hammer that thing home, okay? And then look at something else. So if there's one takeaway, that's it is slow your ass down, focus on one thing and become a Jedi master, if you will, at that one thing. And I hope that Cobra and uh, Tristan Tate are watching this. So <laughs> Star Wars reference. You're a fucking dork. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, look, Mike, it's been a pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate you taking the time. And I think there's a lot of value in here for people. If they, you know, if they listen carefully, they're going to come away with some some genuinely useful thoughts. So yeah, it's awesome chatting on. with you, man. And um, cheers to everyone in Utah. I got a lot of friends up there. All right. Well, that's good to hear. Maybe I'll see you next time you're out here. Yep. All right, brother. Well, in that case, this has been the Logos and Trivial podcast. I've been Chance Lunsford. He's been Mike Bolin, and this has all been allegedly. And we're out.